We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia where this podcast was recorded and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hi there, I'm Daniel Moore and you're listening to Season 3 of the Hearing Architecture Podcast, proudly sponsored by Brickworks. At the moment, we're talking to architects about what their clients get beyond their finished project and what architects get beyond their fee and awards on the shelf. Our guest in this episode is Keith Westbrook, who is a registered architect and director of Cumulus Studio, who had their headquarters based in Tasmania. I caught up with Keith just after he arrived back from the 2022 Dualux study tour, where he spent two weeks travelling around Australia, visiting some of the country's best projects and successful practices. Keith shares his experience of working with repeat clients, developing a shared understanding with clients when they return, and growing a client's confidence after proving that an architect can successfully deliver bold architectural choices. Let's jump in. All right, Keith, thank you so much for joining me on the Hearing Architecture Podcast. How are you going? Yeah, great. Thanks, Dan. It's good to be here. Absolutely. So, it's really grateful that uh, that you're still alive after the Dulux study tour. So, it sounds like it was, uh, they jammed a lot in there. So, yeah, it sounds like it was really enjoyable. Yeah, it was great. It was a pretty hectic couple of weeks trekking around every corner of Australia, but we, um, yeah, saw a lot, packed a lot in and it was, yeah, definitely a valuable experience just to... I guess being, you know, 10 or so years out of uni, it was just a really good chance to reflect on sort of what I'm doing more broadly in my career and just seeing so much stuff back to back to back. It's just really, I guess, a good chance to reflect on and compare, I guess, a lot of architects and what they're doing. Absolutely. And I think it's so fantastic that this year's tour was was within Australia, you know, because... Um, the tour is often overseas and we've got such a big, beautiful country with some amazing projects. It's really good to to see all of that. Yeah, t- totally. And I think, yeah, obviously that was a bit of a disappointment initially, but we did see some things that you just wouldn't otherwise get access to and parts of Australia hadn't been to. And I, th- I think a big part of the study tour is also just the people. You just meet, yeah, really interesting architects from quite diverse range of practices and you know, just being stuck in a, a bus or a whatever with people for two weeks, you get to know them pretty well. So it's pretty special, I reckon. Yeah, fantastic. All right. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about Cumulus and and the work that you're doing and the clients that you have because Cumulus has become really synonymous with, with so many beautiful projects. And when I think of Cumulus, you know, I think of quite a lot of amazing tourism and hospitality projects. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what the sort of specialty of Cumulus is and, and how you approach your clients and that work? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're right. I think we we definitely have a, a niche in the sort of tourism sector, if you like, um, although we are pretty diverse. And I think because the practice started out of Tasmania, it's just the nature of the place is you have to sort of be willing to take on a lot of different things because there isn't, you know, it's hard to sustain a practice just with one sector I suppose so you know when the business started back in 2011 the founders you know they already had some good connections with off the back of some other tourism projects and obviously with Mona happening in Tasmania around that time people starting to value what design can bring to the the tourism sector and how Tasmania can really differentiate itself in terms of the brand and the practices 
quite fortunate to build some connections with people early on, which led to some projects like Pump House Point and Devil's Corner, for example, being completed within the first few years, really, of the practice starting. And I think that just really led to more and more of those sorts of projects, which which are generally fun to do because those clients really value design because they want to have a point of difference and you know architecture is a pretty great way of doing that and since then we've obviously grown the business we're up to around 45 staff now and studios across tassie and melbourne adelaide and i've got a few other people floating around australia which is sort of one of the benefits of post-covid is you don't necessarily have to be working in the workplace so while we're still doing a lot of the tourism work and that's definitely a big part of what we do we've We've certainly diversified and doing work with social housing and other commercial sort of operations as well. So it's certainly evolved from the early days. Yeah. Mona, like you mentioned, has had such a huge impact in Tassie that so many people started to experience amazing design and just what buildings can be that they might not have had as much access to before that happened. And projects like Devil's Corner that you worked on where it's a really spectacular outcome you've also had quite a few residential clients who then wanted that special source in their houses as well do you want to tell us a little bit about some of those residential clients that have that have come back to you yeah i like the word special source that's quite good <laughs> yeah i think the minor thing is really just confidence to do something different that's really what i think it added in to the mix people willing to take a bit of a risk and i think that's so important in architecture that yeah you want to do some level of innovation so seeing people do that within the state obviously adds some confidence there but yeah within our client base yeah we have a yeah, range of residential and commercial clients and i'd also say there's some industry leaders in there which have been quite influential through the practice and they often will keep reappearing and recommending us which is pretty important to have those supporters of the business and within yeah residential and multi-residential clients they come to us because they value what we do. And I think that's one really important thing when you're working in a you know an office, you need to be able to differentiate the clients that are just there to get you to do something versus the ones that really want to challenge you and work with you and you know really value what you can add to the project. Yeah. So like with the your residential projects, like have you got any clients who who have come back for multiple residential jobs? Yeah, certainly do. And I think yeah, they're interesting. I guess like any other relationship, yeah, you have some clients who come to you and it's just instantly really easy to work with. And then you have some other clients who maybe really challenge you. And yeah, sometimes it causes a lot of stress. But um, at the end of the day, you get something really amazing because you've been really challenged along the way. And in fact, I think some of those clients are um, maybe some of the best because they really push you to, to do something interesting uh, for example, there's a, a client which we, we do a lot of social housing work with and so that started off as some feasibility work where we were seeing how many houses we could get onto that as part of a project and it was a good relationship and then it led to the next stages of that project after funding and now it's led on to more projects, quite diverse projects, working alongside them with multi-level towers and you know, inner city sites as well as the more outer suburban site so that that's been really interesting and then we've also had more uh, so private developer clients for instance we have one who is based out of melbourne but primarily operating in tasmania and i think that was certainly maybe an initial draw card beside 
what we offer as Cumulus, actually having a team on the ground where their projects were, but also having, you know, the staff within close range of where the client's based, I think was maybe an advantage there. And that really started off with a small townhouse project that we were working on, which took, you know, a number of years to kind of get where it is now, which is sort of under construction at the moment. But I think through that process, you sort of build rapport and you get used to how you know, we work and you get used to how the client operates. And it, it's maybe just an easy step into the next project. So we're working on sort of a larger apartment building with them at the moment. Yeah, I think that's, I guess it's the interesting part of it is how you can hang on to those clients that you enjoy working with. Yeah, and I bet that when you've got a client who might not have worked in a location like Tassie before, it is really important, like you say, to have the people on the ground who've got experience in the larger cities but can know the nuances of the place that make it unique. So that's that's a really beneficial thing that you can give a client for sure. And what's the big thing that you try to let the client take away from the process of working with Cumulus? What is the sort of thing that you feel sort of sets Cumulus apart? Well, I think it's the process because we don't really subscribe to a particular style of architecture, although I guess that's maybe for others to judge, but we don't we don't sort of set out to make a building look like a particular thing. But we do have a process which is you know, really about a collaborative relationship with the client. How we're not sort of doing the grand unveil of a concept to a client. We're sort of very involved and through a number of sort of initial meetings and workshops to develop up concepts because through a number of projects I've worked on, you know, good ideas can come from anywhere. It's not just us as architects that can propose a good idea. You know, there's a whole heap of generally with client groups, there's people who have got particular expertise, particular knowledge that they bring to the table. And if you are willing to listen to that and take some of it on, you can get maybe a more rich outcome than what maybe you could just propose yourself. And and that's also within the studio. We don't just work in isolation. There's not sort of a top-down approach where it's directors designing and then everyone else producing. It's, it's more of a flat structure where, you know, a graduate or, you know, a younger architect can have a real lot of input into what a project could be. And there's also a rigorous um, design review process, which means that we're constantly questioning and, I guess, aiming high with what we're putting out, regardless of the project. There's not really a sort of bread and butter stream within our office of just sort of pumping out stuff, really focusing on each project individually. And and obviously some projects allow you to a bit more scope to do more interesting things, but within every project, we always try to find one thing that we could maybe push or pursue that's interesting so I think clients really love that because we don't kind of go in there with a preconceived idea we sort of listen to what what they want it's sort of a big driver can you think of an example where where the client might have come to you with a particular brief and then through working with the client you sort of created together a really special thing where they could you know feel ownership of that as well Ah, uh, sure so we worked on a project in um, central Tasmania for as a, an older homestead and, and that particular client was really involved throughout the design process. You know, the the client would be there helping shuffle around the, the model that was being made and, you know, they were there on site helping burn the charcoal cladding and all this sort of stuff. So that, they were very uh, hands-on and involved and just really loved the process of the design and 
through to it being completed. And I, I think that, yeah, that's pretty unique. And I think that's really kind of the ideal client who really enjoys the process is not just constantly rushing to sort of see it done. Um, and that's where I think lots of richness can come out of the process because, you, you know, you have people who are, yeah, willing to take the time and maybe challenge and um, sort of ask questions along the way. Um, which is yeah, which is fun, I guess. As a designer, you want you want to have someone who's um, interested in the process. Yeah, well, I, I think that's a that's a really beautiful example of yeah, someone who can get as much enjoyment out of the the process as the architects, I guess. You know, rather than sort of keeping each party separate. Oh, I think that, and that's um, yeah, as much as we'd like every client to be like that. Obviously, is a range of people, but. We find even with some commercial clients that, yes, are willing to take the time to really interrogate things throughout the process, which is really valuable as well. Mm. That sort of makes me think about, you know, the difference between working with residential and then commercial clients that we might often call commercial clients, expert clients, where they really understand process and what to ask for and what to expect. Have you had experience where you've worked with some of these clients and you've sort of work with them over time and you end up developing the same language that you that you talk with each other when you're talking about your projects? Yeah, that's right. And I, I think we do have some of those in, sort of smart clients uh, who are, you know, maybe they're government bodies or kind of larger commercial operators, but we certainly have residential clients and even some commercial operators who, you know, they don't do a lot of projects. They probably aren't overly familiar with the process. So I think... Um, yeah, it's not necessarily just residential clients that, that we have that sort of challenge with. But uh, in terms of speaking the same language, I think that's something that you develop through relationships. Some clients are you know, obviously on board and understand how things work and others you have to really coach through that process. And yeah, once again, that's sort of about being uh, really clear with the communication. And, and that starts, I think, from when you first talk to them about the project, um, trying to educate them on the process so they understand what it is that you know they're in for and we provide them with um, some information around what each stage entails so they can be informed they're not going into the whole process blind but once you build that rapport with the client and working through a project together obviously they then sort of really understand what that process is and you have that mutual understanding and sort of set a benchmark for you know what the process is and and obviously every architect's got a different process as well so yeah, just of setting setting a standard for how you operate. Have you found that now that you've done some of those larger projects like the Cradle Mountain uh, Visitors Centre, that then when you go back to to government clients and you're talking about the buildings that fit that typology, that you now have that sort of shorthand where you can discuss what should be expected of this type of project and what to allow for. Well, I think the yeah, it's a reoccurring theme actually it was interesting it was talked a lot about on the study tour actually um, with various architects that to win work if you can demonstrate that you've done it already then you're sort of halfway there you know yeah having that body of work to demonstrate your capability um, obviously makes the next project a little bit easier to get and if you've done one winery the next winery is going to be an easier sell and you know if you've done something innovative like i think of the art center um, protagonist project where we did this kind of crazy polycarbonate chainmail facade that lifted up and down like that was I mean I think it takes a certain sort of client to be willing to explore those things but once you've done that once maybe the next sort of crazy idea becomes 
a bit easier of a sell. Or, and if you can't demonstrate it yourself, how do you go about showing a client how others have done it and how you can resolve things? Because you know, every client's got a level of risk they're willing to um, sort of sign off on, I suppose. Yeah, and I mean, that's got to be interesting working in the tourism typology where if people are going somewhere as a destination, there is an expectation that uh, the location is going to have a real wow factor to it. And I guess you will explore with certain clients, does the building sit back or try to also be spectacular like the surrounds that it's set in? Yeah, how do you navigate that when you're talking about these sort of, you know, big crazy ideas and, and how these things all work together? Well, I think with a lot of the work with the tourism sector, it's really about understanding the visitor experience. And so a lot of our early work that we do is really about understanding with the client about what they want that experience to be. And, and we even go through a process of sort of mapping out sort of what the movement is of people and what are the the moments along the way and it's almost a curation exercise of understanding you know what are the the key ingredients that are going to make this special and what are, what are the things that are really unique to this brand or this site or um, place that are going to make this project unlike any other project so it's really about teasing out those opportunities and think about devil's corner it was very much about the sensory experience of of wine so there's a winery component there but they also um, part of the project I think which is a real success of it was taking a, a look out off the dangerous corner on the road and actually integrating that within the project as um, you know a toilet stop and a lookout and it become just a great road stop but also people wander down the hill and grab a bottle of wine while they're stopped and maybe grab something to eat and so it was kind of had the right ingredients but in terms of the actual design of the lookout that was very much about the earth you know looking out across the the landscape where the all the grapes are grown looking up at the sky where the rain comes from that and sort of these different sort of elements of what the environment is that helps produce the grape so, you know it became a i guess a sensory experience yeah but with that project i mean that's that's such a great example of a project where the obvious thing to do might have been, you know, oh, you put the building right next to the winery because that's what most wineries do. And then just thinking about a, a different execution of what the architecture can be. And I guess that sounds to me like that's what Cumulus does with the client. It sort of takes them on that journey of let's explore some alternative options from what's actually been done before. Well, in that mm-hmm. case of um, Devil's Court, and I think one, maybe it's a nice example of where kind of a client requirement has actually just been listened to and integrated because the client was worried about building a building up in the middle of nowhere and then no one coming and then all of a sudden having, you know, a bit of a a lemon up there. So part of the project was to um, build it all out of shipping containers. So you you might not even notice it as you, um, if someone didn't tell you, but they're all basically prefabricated shipping containers that are stacked in different ways. And um, obviously they were, cut up in you know to make interesting shapes and then clad with the timber but yeah the idea was that if it all failed they could kind of put it on the back of a truck and take it somewhere closer to hobart um but obviously that and and then that became came an interesting exercise well how do you actually arrange buildings like that just within a big paddock and so it was an interesting um sort of ideas about sort of creating this sort of um almost like a camp 
in the way that the buildings are sort of arranged around a sheltered courtyard and each building, each container was essentially a sort of a different operation. One was sort of doing takeaway food, the other one was the little cellar door. Um, and so in a way it was sort of semi-temporary in a way, the way it was put together, but yeah, you know, obviously they, it's been hugely successful. So I don't think they're going to pick it up anytime <laughs> soon. In fact, we've just finished stage two up there, which has been uh, quite a big expansion of the cellar door to provide indoor kind of weather protected seating. Um, sort of hugely increased the number of patrons they can have in there at any one time. Um, bit of a underground cellar and things like that. Um, so it's all a bit of fun. Yeah, that sounds amazing. It's such a great. It's such a great building on such a truly unique site in in the world it's amazing and i mean i guess that's that's also a really good example of listening to that client in a hospitality area because it's it is still a high risk business to be in and to still have the consideration that if these things for whatever reasons don't work as well as they they could there's the opportunity to still still have usable structures you know that you can use somewhere else for their business it doesn't necessarily all rest on this this one site and this one building working to actually make it pay off it can still have another life potentially but you know it was so successful you don't they don't have to worry about that (laughs) yeah that's it Uh, i think as well it's about finding the unique opportunities like what what things can you do in a project that you can't do in any other project and i think that's a bit of a reoccurring discussion within our office is trying to find those opportunities um, in every project and usually there are the you know another one that comes to mind is the um, Willie Smith's project which was another one early days of Cumulus and you know they didn't have a big budget it was all sort of built with a lot of community input but what they did have was a whole heap of apple packing boxes and so that became just like a super easy and cheap way of of sort of building an interesting structure so it was a bit of steel to hold up stack boxes really and that cheap interesting sort of the unique thing not every client's going to have a bunch of boxes lying around so yeah what are the you know what's the equivalent in in another project and i guess that even back thinking back to the protagonist at the art center there that one's similar it's like well what's the unique opportunity well there's a it's about the theater the performance and the curtain yeah you're not going to go into a theater curtain for any project so that was sort of the unique thing that we thought um and it's obviously also a a playful aspect too, which we really try to work into our projects. It's about trying to have a little bit of fun with it along the way. Yeah, well, it, it is so playful, protagonist. I mean, going to see it and it's it's got so many elements to it because it's it's tactile. I think it's actually quite practical. You know, I think when you first might have proposed that we're going to wrap a bar on the street in one of the busiest parts of Melbourne in a curtain, but then you sort of say, well, but it's actually chainmail mesh, you know, then it's just like, ah, okay, that's a lovely surprise and it's sort of one of those gifts that keep on giving and I think a building that also has moving parts, that's also quite spectacular and it's linked to a theatre curtain that's going on just behind you in the art centre. That was really a a really great reference pool. Yeah, and I think once again that's that idea of, you probably couldn't sell that to any client, but because they've already got fly towers with all sorts of moving parts <laughs> and the and the um, connection to businesses that do that stuff any, every day of the week, it sort of all of a sudden became not such a crazy idea because they they know how it works, I suppose. So yeah, interesting lessons there. 
Yeah. And so so with your hospitality work at the moment, there seems to be so much going on in Tassie. What sort of area is is Cumulus heading in, in down that path? I mean, is it becoming do you find that Cumulus is getting highly specialized in tourism projects that sort of link with hospitality? Or is it is it now starting to be more hotel projects that are coming down the pipeline? We've definitely worked on a number of hotel projects. Yeah, there's, there's and there's some parallel, I think, between all those. Um, the yeah, tourism sector. I guess that's a particular interest of ours, and uh, obviously hospitality sort of overlaps with that. For example, at the moment, working on a really large distillery outside of Hobart, which is going to be so one of the one of the biggest in Australia, if not the biggest, and it's um, you know alongside that sort of complexity of the actual operations of the distillery, there's, um, you know, great opportunity for tourism, you know, that's a visitor experience and hospitality offering as a whole, whole sort of suite of things there that sort of overlap, which is really quite interesting to be involved with. And I think once again, those sorts of businesses, they need to have something that stands, makes them stand out from the crowd. Obviously the product they make is a big part of that, but also the, um, the architecture can be a huge draw card as well. It can really put them on the map, and I think that's sort of been demonstrated with projects like Devil's Corner. While the while the wine is also really good, it's um, also <laughs> such an iconic location and a, an iconic building, and it's sort of a great combo of things that all work well together. Um, obviously, the, the actual experience of someone visiting needs to sort of live up to the hype, so that then comes back to, I guess, the operator also being really great at what they do. Uh, it's got to ha- got to be a good marriage because if you have a spectacular, spectacular building and maybe the operator either doesn't have the staff or the systems in place to also make sure that that really sings when people are there, you know, might not get the most out of it. But it's also just through talking with you about the way that you work, I think it's fantastic that Cumulus has got this these fantastic processes in place to design for experience. And I don't know if you remember that when we were at uni. Um, we had some lecturers who sort of would often say, you know, well, you can't design people's experience, you know, <laughs> yeah. but Cumulus has proven this, that when you've done enough work in this area and you've worked through it with your clients and then you're able to also hear back from them after the business starts operating, that you've sort of cracked this thing that maybe we didn't get to explore too much at uni around designing experience, you know? Yeah, and uh, it's interesting. We've actually just um, not that long ago had a similar discussion in-house as part of some business planning about, you know, can you really design an experience because someone could have had a horrible personal circumstance and they're going to go there and then, you know, they're going to have a totally different experience to someone who's having the best day ever. So to a degree, you can't, control the experience but you can certainly create a whole heap of opportunities that kind of curate something which i guess is about providing all these moments and opportunities to kind of help guide that along the way and i think that i think which was also done at um, cradle mountain it was also to really draw out that experience so it's not just straight into the front door and go to the shop type thing it actually becomes like a much larger experience from yeah, how you arrive to that procession to a building and then a, se- a series of linking spaces. And that was in part due to also a huge number of visitors you needing to occupy a space, you know, stretching that all out, that whole visitor experience out to a long hundred or so metres of sequence space 
you know, makes that a much more intimate experience rather than being just jammed in one space with everyone. And then also with that, there's the bus ride out to Dove Lake and onto all the hiking opportunities. So it becomes something which is much more than just what's inside the walls of the building. I think that's that's sort of an interesting and as a real overlap with the landscape architecture and you know, other parts of the experience as well. Um, which reminds me, the Dove Lake project is uh, nearing completion, so it will be really exciting to share that over the next sort of few months once that's f photographed. So that'll be pretty special. It's you know off form and precast concrete for viewing shelter there, and it's um, really pretty special, and it becomes like a gateway to the the hiking trails around the lake. Well, I think you know that's that's the thing that if a, a client's coming to you as well and they're saying. People have to have a good time here. If they set that brief and they set the bar, kind of got to got to aim to deliver on those things. So, that, but I think that's fantastic about um, working with hospitality or tourism clients. Must be talking to you about what what you're showing them in drawings and all kinds of different deliverables that you must give them, whether it's diagrams or drawings or graphs and things like that. That you're talking about experience and not just talking about what what wall types. The building is made of and and um yeah all of those really practical things yeah that's right and i uh, that's obviously what they're interested in as well it'd be you know it's often uh, been thought about a lot bef way before we become involved about what that experience could be and i think it's something they can understand as well um because it's going to be so important to the operation of the building um and then almost the architecture just becomes the envelope that sort of wraps around all that experience and Sort of a, a different way of thinking about how you put it together rather than kind of creating the box and then trying to make everything else fit inside. So with projects like the Dove Lake Viewing Shelter and I guess things like Devil's Corner and, and Pump House Point, do you get a lot of residential clients who will visit these places and have truly you know, spectacular, one-of-a-kind experiences that are buildings that you might not necessarily designed for a residential client and that they'll say, you know, I need, I need these kind of experiences in my everyday, day-to-day -day living experience? Yeah, we do. Yeah, it's interesting that kind of crossover from people see non-residential architecture then, sort of, you know, like aspects of it in within their homes. So, yeah, we're doing a home in Melbourne at the moment in North Melbourne, which is that particular client had seen the Stony Rise, cellar door up northern Tasmania and just and really loved um, the brickwork and some of the sort of simplicity of how it's really quite warm sort of tones and darker and moodier and sort of a simple material palette of timber and brick and glass and I think that sort of obviously resonated with them and it became a bit of a part of their brief early on to have that type of vibe yeah it is interesting and it's maybe um, not a conventional way of thinking about residential architecture, but it certainly leads to some interesting opportunities. So, yeah, what, what do you think has been the most important thing for Cumulus with keeping the clients that keep coming back to you? Well, I guess it's one of those things where some clients have got something to compare to, others others maybe don't know what others do provide, but I think it goes back to the experience of, of working with us. And, well, I think that everyone within the studio is relatively easygoing and just nice to work with and I think that goes a long way if you can sort of be accommodating of other inputs obviously you still need to be the architect and bring it all together and know when things aren't appropriate for the project but yeah to be approachable to listen and actually be willing to take 
an idea, good idea from wherever it might come into and weave it into the project. I think people value that. And then to be able to deliver it, I think that's obviously something which clients are willing to come back for. And I can see in the work as well, it's just there's the projects are designed so specifically for, for each client and each location as well. Yeah, they're just they're so lovely and unique. That's a huge part of it really, is is each project's approached as its own thing and the, yeah, we don't go in with a preconceived idea of what it's about and you know as you look like through the residential work or commercial work there's you know obviously some similar elements like materials that are common and accessible within the various places that we work but the way we approach the building the the aesthetic is not not really something we give a lot of thought to early on it's actually really about looking at the client's brief and really interrogating what the opportunities are that can make this project unique and not just um I know another one of the same thing. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Hearing Architecture podcast. It's been really awesome to talk to you about the work that Camillus is doing and the approach to architecture, the process, and, yeah, just to hear hear how you approach these things, I think is it's sort of obvious that because you put so much care into taking care of your clients that you produce these really unique and amazing buildings that give people great experiences so thank you so much for sharing uh all of your thoughts on on working with clients it's been a real pleasure great thanks so much dan thanks for having us long this has been hearing architecture proudly sponsored by brickworks Thank you so much for listening and thank you so much to our guest in this episode, architect Keith Westbrook, director of Cumulus Studio. Thank you so much for sharing your stories and we can't wait to see what Cumulus creates with and for your clients in the future. Our sponsor Brickworks also produce architecture podcasts hosted by modernist fanatic and comedian Tim Ross. You can find The Art of Living, Architects Abroad and The Power of Two at brickworks.com.au or your favourite podcast platform. The more support we get from you, the more episodes we get to make. So if you'd like to show your support, please rate, review and subscribe to Hearing Architecture in your favourite podcast app. If you want to know more about what the Australian Institute of Architects is doing to support architects and the community, please visit architecture.com.au. This is a production by the Australian Institute of Architects Emerging Architects and Graduates Network in collaboration with Open Creative Studio. The Institute production team was Madeleine Jenkins and Claudia McCarthy, and the Imagine production team was Abby Hibbard. Written and directed by Daniel Moore. This content is brought to you by the Australian Institute of Architects, Emerging Architects and Graduates Network in collaboration with Open Creative Studio. This content does not take into account specific circumstances and should not be relied on in that way. This content does not constitute legal, financial, insurance or other types of advice. You should seek independent verification of advice before relying on this content in circumstances where loss or damage may result. The Institute endeavours to publish content that is accurate at the time it is published, but does not accept responsibility for content that may or will become inaccurate over time.